Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. I am a landscape consultant with atxgardens.com. Check it out. I can come to your house and give you advice about what to do with your yard. Um, I helped a customer this week who I know is a listener. And uh, they had a house out in Dripping Springs. And uh, they... uh, had they've been living there for three years and you know lost a lot of plants in the ice storm lost a lot of plants in 2021 and tried to replace things and they just weren't happy with the results um so I came in and gave them some tips uh basically when you get to that point in the landscape when you've been in the house for a while or you've had the property for a while, kind of know which plants are going to make it and which plants aren't. Uh, so repeating the plants that are doing well uh, is good to do at a certain point. You know, you can still try some new things, but um, if you have a lot of gaps in the landscape, you know, try repeating the things that you already have that you know survived last summer, um, that you know survived the ice storm last year, and uh, and go from there. So that's what we talked about, and more specifically, obviously, pointing at the existing plants. So I helped them identify the existing plants that they had and then talked about how to arrange them and uh, gave them some other tips for some of their beds were a little bit too small uh, for the scale of their house um, and the scale of their whole property. So it can look a little puny sometimes. Uh, So that's another design tip for y'all. So um, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I can help my customers with at atxgardens.com. Again, my name is Colleen Dieter, and today on the show, you can call me with your gardening questions at 512-836-0590, and you can also text me at that number. With any gardening questions you have, I'm a certified arborist and I'm a fruit tree expert. I teach vegetable gardening classes. I know all about native and well-adapted landscape plants too. Even grass questions. Um... Have you been gardening this week? It was rainy. I'm so glad for the rain. I'm never going to complain about rain. And uh, I'm really glad that El Nino finally showed up. 
Come on, El Nino. Late. I'm really glad. And uh, But I did find some time to get out in my yard and kind of check out the, you know, the cold damage, the normal kind of cold damage from the deep freeze we had before the rain. And uh, I have a little lemon tree that's in the ground that I'm going to finally, I'm going to dig it up and put it in a pot. I just can't stand it anymore. Year after year, the top just keeps dying. And um, fortunately, it's not grafted. Sometimes Meyer lemons are on on their own roots. So I'm going to dig it up and keep it in a pot because every winter it just the whole top of the tree just keeps dying back and every time it struggles to grow back and I'm never getting any lemons so I'm going to put it in a pot and then during freezes I'm going to bring it into my garage just like I do with my my lime tree so that way maybe I'll actually get some fruit from it so we'll see I got a pretty nice premium grade nursery pot for it so it's just a black pot but it's a little bit nicer than the most of the nursery pots and that way it'll be lightweight for me to bring it in and out um okay looks like i have a text message um oh i love this question someone said good morning thank you for sharing your knowledge we appreciate you it says, and I often go back and re-listen to Jeff and Cheryl's shows on SoundCloud. Is there a place I can go to re-listen to this weekly show? And if so, where? And the answer is yes. Um, there's two different places where you can re-listen to this show, The Horticulture Hangover. Um, if you go to the KLBJ website and look for The Horticulture Hangover show, at the bottom of the Horticulture Hangover Show website, um, there's the link to the SoundCloud. And then um, I also have a podcast. So that's so you can get it through SoundCloud that way. I also have a podcast called The Horticulturati that you can get on any podcast feed. And... Um, we put the Horticulture Hangover show into the Horticulturati podcast feed. So if you subscribe to the Horticulturati, then you'll get all the shows automatically. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so check it out. Uh, during the commercial break, I'll be able to look up the exact uh, websites to tell you. So I can't remember it. The address is off the top of my head. I believe on my website, atxgardens.com, there's a link to the Horticulturati on the homepage. Okay. Thanks for your question. That's great. Um, I saw something interesting. I'm a member of the... Um, National Butterfly, North American Butterfly Association. And I get their magazine that's uh, Butterfly Gardener Magazine, which is pretty neat. And on the back of the magazine on the recent issue, um, someone sent a picture of a little 
pipevine swallowtail chrysalis. And they said, I found this pipevine swallowtail chrysalis on a dead leaf. Butterflies and moths overwinter as eggs, caterpillars, pupae, and adults. That's why you shouldn't throw away your leaves or shred them. So I thought that was interesting. A really fun tip if you're into butterfly gardening, leave your leaves on the ground as much as you can. I know it's a struggle. Um, but if you leave your leaves on the ground, a lot of um, butterflies and moths um, overwinter in leaf matter. So if you can leave your leaves around your plants, it's free mulch. And uh, there's little critters that live in those leaves and will snuggle up for the winter in that bed of leaves and then emerge in the spring as new butterflies. So think about that. But it's challenging, I know, um, because I have some some spots in my yard where I have really small plants, like things like cedar sage and lyre leaf sage that get covered with the leaves. And when the leaves lay on top of the plants, that can kill them uh, because they can't get enough light. So if you have really little plants like that, you know, plants that are just, you know, don't grow to be very big, um, if they get covered in leaf matter, uh, that will kill them. So still, I still do a little bit of leaf management, but I try to leave some of the leaves. And I'm transitioning. I don't like doing leaf removal anyway. So I'm kind of transitioning to uh, just having bigger plants in the shade and not having any little plants that get covered up by leaves. Um, that way it's just less work. Now, if you have turf grass... You need to remove the leaves from the turf grass, the tree leaves I'm talking about. So because if you have tree leaves laying on the grass and the grass can't get enough light and it'll get patchy, then get ready because your live oak trees, it's almost time for the live oak trees to drop their leaves, you know, mid-March. So... If you have equipment that you need, you know, leaf removal equipment that you need to get tuned up, now's the time. I just took my lawnmower in to get serviced um, out there in Dripping Springs at Hill Country Outdoor Power. And uh, they're so nice out there. So I took my lawnmower, the wheels messed up, and uh, yeah. That's the story. So I was checking out some of the battery-powered equipment they have there, some stuff that looks pretty cool. I might treat myself. So call me or text me with your questions at 512-836-0590. The other thing I did this week for my, one of my customers on ATX gardens.com um, was planting trees. So this week I purchased some trees for a customer of mine and it's tree planting time for sure. So most trees can be can still be planted at this time of year. 
And uh, I bought a weeping Yopon for one of my customers, and uh, they're going to plant it in a pot. And weeping Yopons are one of my favorite trees for putting in a pot. If you're looking for something to go in a big pot, I like them because they're evergreen um, and they're really durable. And uh, they get red berries in the winter, you know, they're native and they can handle sun or shade. So, and they're just interesting trees. They're really nice. And then you don't need to switch them out all the time. They're there semi-permanently. So Denise, I see you on the phone, but we're coming up on a break. So, uh, We'll get you after the break, so hang in there. Thanks so much. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, y'all. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. And we have on the line here, Denise and Elgin. Denise, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing great. Glad. It looks like it's going to be a great weekend to be outside. Yeah. And uh, with with the rain and the cooler weather, I, I feel like uh, I, I want to start planning for my, um, you know, future keep, keep going landscaping here and yeah. so i'm looking at a shaded area okay. i've got cedar elms um i call it my cedar elm grove hmm. and i i do have like the spider wart and the uh, turk's cap underneath it mm-hmm. but there are some bare areas and i would like to put in some sedge grasses i think mm-hmm. those are evergreen yeah but it's, it's a, it is a dry shade and i was wondering what kind of sedge grass you would recommend for that oh yeah um, most of them will be fine, uh, most types, but I really like Berkeley Sedge, uh, and there's another one called Weberville Sedge that I like very much. And the thing is, Denise, um, sometimes at the nurseries, they're not always labeled anyway, and they're easy to mix up because they all look kind of the same. <laughs> so, okay. um... So get what looks good to you at the nursery. Um, do some of them get taller than others? Some of them do. Um, there's one called Cherokee Sedge uh, that gets a little taller. Um, and then there's another one called Woodland Sedge that gets a little taller too. They're harder to find though. You don't see them at the nursery as often. Um, okay. But yeah, Berkeley... Weberville are the ones that stay shorter and there's a few others they're called Austin grass or Texas sedge a lot of times um, and they're all really similar uh, so and, check and those they out take that kind of a heavier shade. oh yeah uh-huh yeah cedar elm shade yeah they'll be fine yeah that's their native habitat you know growing under cedar elms yeah okay yeah. I will. I will start looking for those in the nursery. Then, thank you. I okay, appreciate Denise. It. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy gardening. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, now we've got a lot of calls. This is exciting. We have Ginger in Comfort. Hi, Ginger. You're on the air. Hi. 
Um, I have um, some, I think it's the little blue stem. I'm a little confused about the difference between big mm. blue stem and little blue stem. Is the little blue stem the big one, the big clump one? Um, okay, let's see. I also get confused and I always have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I have some of the big clump blue stem. Okay. You know, the large one. Yes. And... Uh, and I want to transplant them, some of them to uh, next to my house on the west side. Great. Um, <clears throat> so they would just get some partial shade. You think that would be enough sun for them? Yes, probably. If they're getting like half a day at least, they should be okay. Yeah, at least dappled. I mean, mm -hmm. there is a tree over there, but it's not real thick. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think you'll okay. be good. Okay, so yeah. the next question is... Um, what kind of what should I do for transplanting? Do I need to just compost in the hole, or you know what what kind of um, do I need to put any root hormone on it or anything like that? Once I dig them up and have the hole for the what I home? yeah what I like to do whenever I plant anything or transplant anything is in the planting area. Uh, this is for landscape plants, everybody. Specifically, it's different for vegetables and stuff. But for landscape plants, what I like to do is I just put about an inch or two of compost over the planting area before I plant. And then, oh. yeah, and then bring the plants over and plant the plants. And then while you're planting, the compost kind of gets mixed in. Um, and it's okay for the compost to stay on the top too, you know? And so, right. yeah, so then plant the plants. Um, the most important thing is to not plant the plants too low, especially with grasses. Um, cause if okay. you get like, yeah, if you get soil or compost piled up around the stems, that will rot the plant. So okay. it's real tempting with grasses like that to plant them too low because they're floppy. And you feel like, oh, I want to pile soil up around the stems so that they'll stand up. Um, but that will rot the plant. So, okay. yeah, so just make sure you don't plant it too low. It's real challenging <laughs> with transplanting, too. It's hard sometimes to tell, like, what level to plant them at because the root ball is a weird shape when you, you know, because you dug it up. It doesn't come out of a container where it's like a nice, tidy shape, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, so then um, put them in there uh, and you'll be all set. Give them some okay. water. Okay, no, no, no special other than no. I, should I put a little bit more compost in the hole when I'm putting it in? You can if you want to, but it's not necessary if you put it on the top first. Yeah. Okay. And then come back in and put a little mulch down. Um, mm -hmm. This is the time of year with blue stem to... Uh, cut the tops off anyway so it's a really good time for um, transplanting ornamental most ornamental grasses including blue stems so you can go ahead and cut the tops off and leave like oh ten maybe six to ten inches of okay. stems sticking up because they'll grow back from those stems okay so should mm -hmm. I cut them back before I move them or after? I think before because they'll be easier to move. Okay. Yeah, just for logistics, it's easier to move on. Okay. Yeah. Great. 
awesome. I love your show. Thank you oh, very much. Oh, good, Ginger. Thank you so much for your call and for listening. All right. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Okay, next we have Paul in Southwest Austin. Good morning, Paul. You're on the air. Good morning, Colleen. I took your advice and bought a nectarine tree from Womack Nursery and got it last week. And it's about four foot tall. The uh, the root ball is uh, still wrapped in the plastic that it came with. And the instructions were, you know, plant it late winter, early spring. So I'm kind of waiting, but I'm like, what do I do with this plant in the meantime to protect it? Uh, You know, do I have it outside? Does it need chill hours? I know it's not going to produce any fruit in the first two years at least, but I I just want to make sure I'm protecting the roots too as they're wrapped with uh, plastic. I don't want any root rot or or mold or anything to start forming. So I just kind of wanted to know how should I take care of this plant now or should i go ahead and just put it in the ground now you know what are your thoughts on that paul you should plant it now go ahead and get it in the ground this counts as late winter right now yeah in austin texas you know this part of texas this is late winter so yeah put it in the ground it'll be much better for the tree to not be in the plastic anymore and to be in the ground and should be totally fine through any cold that we have um the nectarines uh, should be able to tolerate any the rest of the winter, basically, if we have any cold snaps. She should be fine. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, did they give you instructions for cutting the top off of the tree? Yeah, that scares me. I know. <laughs> That's why I asked. They say, you know, cut cut everything out of the middle. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, it's only a four-foot tree. I don't want to cut too much out yeah. of it. Um, yeah. But I understand anything growing towards the middle needs to be pruned out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you get the bare root trees from the nursery, that's what's referred to as a whip. And uh, because the trees really, they don't have a whole lot of branches and it's just like one long stem kind of. And it is important to cut the whip shorter. And it's really scary to have your little baby tree and to cut like a a, a large chunk of the top off of it. But you won't regret it. Um, You'll regret it if you don't. Uh, Because the tree can develop a kind of a bad shape that will call, cause it to fall apart when it gets old. And the tree can get too tall and make it hard to care for the tree and make it hard to harvest the fruit too. So if you trim trim the whip when you first plant it, um, have more branches down low and it'll be easier to care for the tree and harvest the fruit. Well, that uh, sounds good. I really appreciate the information, sure. and I, now I have a project this weekend. Okay, Paul. Yeah, yeah, you'll be all set. And make sure you add some compost to the hole for sure, um, and your fruit tree will thank you. All right, well, thank you. All right, thanks, Paul. Happy gardening. Bye. Bye. Yeah, so, um, boy, I, that's really exciting. Oh, it's time for a break.
Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, everybody. This is Colleen Dieter on the Horticulture Hangover Show. And I'm answering your gardening questions today. And I've got a bunch of text messages here to catch up on after that bunch of phone calls. This is so great. Thank you all for chiming in, calling, texting. It's great to hear from you. Um, Okay, so here's a text message. And it says, is it just me? Or are we no longer able to plant snaps and pansies to overwinter and have color till spring? After that low dip recently, my pots look really beat up. Should I just trim off frozen dark spots and hope they rebound or give it up till spring? Okay. Yeah, this is, you're not alone for sure with this question. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely the last four years in a row uh, gotten cold enough to damage pansies and snapdragons. So if you're, you know, a gardener that's into annual color in your pots or in your beds, uh, it's pretty discouraging because we used to be able to have um, color all the way from October to April, especially pansies. Uh, sometimes it would get cold enough for the snapdragons to stop blooming, but they'd still be alive. But the pansies and violas, they just go, go, go. Um, and yeah, it's gotten cold enough for them to get cold damage really the last four winters. So basically at this point, you have a choice. Um, you can either just leave them alone and see what happens. You can try trimming off the frozen parts and hope they rebound. Or you can pull them out, out, pull them out, go to the nursery and get some new ones. Um, If you just want to really freshen it up, I saw some at a couple of nurseries. I saw some pansies at a couple of nurseries this week that had been covered during the freeze. So they looked good. Um, so, you know, you can decide, you can, you know, you could give them, if you decide to keep the ones you have, you could give them some seaweed, maybe some has to grow, um, has Medina has to grow is a kind of fertilizer that I like to use for blooming plants and in pots and it's organic and gives them the nutrients they need to to bloom. So, you know, you can just decide how you want to do it. Um, you know, where I grew up in, in Ohio, uh, people would plant snaps and pansies. Well, snaps would go all summer, but the pansies, people would plant pansies just in the fall and in the early spring and just enjoy them, you know, and replant them uh, just for a short time. So, we could adopt that method here if you really love them. Um, 
I usually do orange uh, pansies and violas during Halloween time. I really like them for that. So, you know, they'll be shorter lived if our winters continue the way they are. And I just read a great book called Armadillo's Dizisifus by David Hillis. Um, and he explains in the book about the polar vortex and climate change and why it's getting colder in Texas. Uh, really interesting book. So something to think about. And, you know, I've lived in Texas for over 20 years now, and I, I can't remember another time where we had four bad winters in a row. So, yeah, it's discouraging for sure. Um, so you can decide what you're, what you want to do with those annuals. You know, March is right around the corner and they might start having warm season annuals coming into the nurseries mid-March too. And you could just wait until mid-March and then get your warm season annuals in like coleus and uh, impatiens and uh, petunias and that kind of thing. That's a little early. You might not see them until April, depending on the weather. So, okay. So here's another text message. It says, good morning. I want to grow a blood orange tree in a container. What do I need to know? What size container? Great question. And blood oranges, that's such a cool thing to grow yourself because you don't get them in the store very often, you know, and they're so unique and exciting and you can do so much with them. So totally worth growing. Um, and when you get the blood orange tree from the nursery, just get the next biggest size container, basically. You don't want to put it in a great big container right away. Um, you want to gradually move up as the tree grows. Okay, so just get the next biggest size. So usually citrus come in three-gallon pots. So if you can get a container that's just, you know, a few inches taller and a few inches wider than the three-gallon pot that it comes in. So a five-gallon or a seven-gallon kind of, you know, check out what they've got at the nursery and what you like. Um, and bring a measuring tape. It really helps. And that way you won't overwater because if you put a pot, a, a plant in a really, really big container, really big containers hold water for a long time. And uh, it can be really easy to overwater a small plant in a big container. Um, so, and citrus trees, all citrus are really sensitive to overwatering. Um, so just get the next biggest size up. Make sure you use potting soil. Okay, that's really important that you get potting media. Um, don't use soil from the ground in the backyard. Don't buy topsoil. It has to be potting soil, which is expensive, but it has to be potting soil because that is what works in a container. Okay, and then get a little slow-release citrus fertilizer. I like Espoma is the brand. It's called Espoma Citrus Tone, but there's a lot of really good ones out there. Espoma Citrus Tone, give it a little food. 
Uh, the Medina has to grow is really great for feeding them too because the citrus are really heavy feeders. And um, you'll be all set. Let the tree dry out a little bit between watering. Okay, that's really important. Don't overwater it. Good luck. And then bring it inside when it gets cold. If it's going to freeze, you got to bring it in or protect it. So we're coming up on another break here. And I know a lot of you have texted in. And I will definitely get to your questions after the break. Thanks. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter and the Horticulture Hangover Show. Check out my website at atxgardens.com. And uh, got some more text messages here. One listener who chimed in earlier said they were looking for uh, the horticulture hangover on SoundCloud and uh, they found it. Uh, they were making a mistake and typing horticultural hangover, but they got horticulture hangover. Now, horticulture is a tough word. Um, so yeah. Check us out on SoundCloud or you can follow the Horticulture Audi podcast and you'll get the Horticulture Hangover there too on repeat. And uh, another listener chimed in to say we had a caller earlier who is planting a nectarine tree and we had a listener here chiming in saying, nectarines don't like wet feet. Make sure they're in a spot that will never be a puddle. And uh, I agree with that. Um Nectarines, most fruit trees uh, need good drainage. So make sure that it's not a spot, a low spot that where there's going to be puddling of water. Because um, all of the fruit trees pretty much need uh, oxygen to their roots. And if they're in water for long periods of time, it's going to damage them and they could rot. And so then we've got another another uh, listener here who says, good morning, love your show. Thank you so much. And they go on to say, our home we bought six years ago came with a lovely thick St. Augustine front lawn with what I'm pretty sure is brown patch disease. How do you recommend controlling it? Also, the timing of the year, I can or shouldn't tackle the patches. Any non-fungicide solutions? Many thanks from Aussie D. Well, Aussie D, um, that's a tough one. Um, you know, basically St. Augustine grass is susceptible to all kinds of diseases, but you can grow really strong St. Augustine grass that can resist diseases if you create the proper culture for it to live in, okay? And I don't mean, um, you know, taking it to the opera. I mean the environment that the grass is growing in and, um, and that, that's where horticulture comes in, 
Um, so making sure that you're top dressing the grass with compost once a year. Um, I like to do it in the winter. You can do it anytime except summer. Okay. I just like to do it in the winter because there's sometimes less to do than in the spring and fall. Um, the other thing that's really, really important for St. Augustine grass, whether it's diseased or not, is mowing it high. Okay. So when the grass is mowed, put the mower on the highest setting possible to leave as much leaf as possible intact so that the grass is really thick. And cutting it too short leaves leaves it vulnerable to all kinds of problems. And essentially you have to think of turf grass just in the same way that you'd think of any other plant. You wouldn't like take your orange tree and just pull all the leaves off of it every week through the whole year. It wouldn't do well, right? And so cutting the grass down really low over and over again um, is essentially like removing all of the leaves. So make sure when you're mowing the grass that you leave the mower high. And that goes for Central Texas. I know it's different for East Texas where it rains more. Okay, but over here where it doesn't rain as much, um, it's important to leave the mower deck as high as you can. And if it really is brown patch disease, it's so hard to uh, diagnose grass diseases because there's so many things. It could be cold damage. It could be chinch bugs, could be grubs, um, could be take-all root rot. There's so many things and they all kind of look the same. Um, so uh, it never hurts. The old organic uh, cure is <laughs> cornmeal, just any kind of cornmeal, the same kind that you would use to make grits or cornbread. Um, sprinkle that over the brown patch areas and supposedly it is antifungal. Um, I don't know why, uh, you know, it's just one of those things and it can't hurt and it's not expensive. So like I said, top dress with compost, mow high and try some cornmeal and see how you do. And if it's still bad in a few months when it starts growing again in mid-April, getting into May, um, text me again or schedule a consultation actually. Schedule a consultation, atxgardens.com because that's, that's complicated, you know, if you really start losing it. So um, let me see here. Got another text message. It says, I have patches in my Bermuda grass that I lost during the summer and now into the winter. Is it too early to spread seed or fertilizer in those areas? Yes, wait until April, March, like mid-March, April before you do any seeding or feeding of Bermuda grass. It's too early. And um, gosh, we've got Susan in South Austin on the line. Susan, it's 
you're on the air and we've got one minute. Good morning. I received a paperweight plant for Christmas. Yeah. And it's in water and all the flowers are gone now. Yeah. Do I leave it in the water? Do I put it in the ground? Do I put it in a pot? Go ahead and put it in the ground if you want to. And okay. Yeah, you'll be all set and it won't bloom again until next, uh, like 18 months from now. So it won't bloom again until the following spring. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Susan. Good job. Bye-bye. Good job with the speed question, Susan. (laughs) That's really great. (laughs) Yeah, if you got holiday bulbs as gifts, you can put them in the ground and uh, they will look funny for a long time. But uh, so let me see, it would be spring of 2025 when they will bloom. And it's 8.59, so we're out of time. And I'll see y'all next week. Thanks so much.